Hello, everyone. My name is William Mucker. I am a client executive with Camaplan, and I would like to thank you for joining us for today's webinar, Creating Massive Tax Savings to Fund Long-Term Wealth with Don Thornton. I would also like to let you know that Don will be addressing questions at the end of the webinar. However, please feel free to pose your questions whenever they cross your mind with the Q&A function, and they will be saved for the Q&A portion of the webinar. Before we get started, we do have a brief uh, disclosure to go through. Everything presented to you in today's webinar is strictly for educational purposes. Camaplan is a neutral third-party administrator of IRAs. We are not attorneys, CPAs, or financial advisors. If it comes to a time where you need advice in any one of those fields, we highly recommend you consult with your team of professionals. We are more than happy to be a part of that dialogue to ensure that the investment process is quick and seamless. We do not sell any investments at Camaplan, nor do we endorse any products. We will never call you about the next best investment opportunity. We believe that you should always do your own due diligence before investing your money, whether it be your retirement funds or otherwise. Once you have found the investment that is right for you, we will help you open your account, fund that account, and facilitate the, that transaction into the investment. Here is my contact information. If you or anyone that you know who you believe can benefit from the information, have any questions about what is discussed in the presentation today and how it applies to self-directed, uh, self-direction, excuse me, please do not hesitate to contact me. I would be more than happy to help. And then without further ado, I'll pass the controls over to you, Don, and uh, I'll stop my share and you can begin yours. All right, well, thank you very much. I'm sorry we had some technical difficulties here, but we got them all handled, that's great. Uh, for those of you who don't know, my name is Don Thornton. I have been a real estate investor for 20 years and taxes were the bane of my existence. Asset protection to a lesser degree, but mostly it was about the taxes. And I found out about uh, this amazing strategy that has uh, been a game changer for me personally and for my real estate business. Before I get into that, I have to, uh, you know, backstop up of what uh, William just said. I have to also do my disclosure and say that I'm not a lawyer, I'm not practicing law. I'm also not a licensed uh, tax advisor. I am, this is for informational purposes only. I'm not giving you financial advice and you should consult with a financial professional before entering into any transaction. Okay, so now that we've got the lawyers happy, uh, I wanna go into what this strategy is. Because I'm telling you, I'm, I'm not overhyping this. This is one of the most powerful vehicles that I've ever encountered in my life. I'm 58 years old. I've been in sales and marketing, international business uh, for ever since I was in my mid-20s. And this by far is the best thing ever. And I want to go ahead and just, you know, quote John Rockefeller, who said the secrets to success is to own nothing but to own, I mean, to control everything. And the control is very key here because the control has to do with the asset protection side of it. What, and, and I'll get into that a little bit later, but I wanna go into what we call the ironclad trust, but it's act, the real name for it is actually the spendthrift trust. And it's non-grantor, irrevocable, complex, discretionary spendthrift trust. And that's a mouthful. But every single one of these um, uh, pillars, as they want to call it, has a specific function that allows this trust to work the way it does. And just some of the things here is that it can do is you can uh, never pay capital gains if you're investing, whether it be crypto, it can be you know stocks and bonds, it can be if you sell a business, if you're in real estate and you sell an investment property, you're going to be 
you're going to be um, facing some pretty pricey capital gains. This trust, because it's uh, uh, in complete compliance with IRS Code 643, means that it will, none of this will be a capital gains event for you. You won't be taxed on those. But we'll get that a little bit in, in, better into this uh, a little bit later. Um, the Spinthrop Trust, like I said, is in complete compliance with the IRS and uh, with these other uh, other uh, publications and have to do with trust. Don't worry about that. But um, the biggest thing is that um, the beneficial trust, which is what we talk about, is designed to one, make sure that your property, your assets, when you're sold into the trust, are 99.9% asset protected from any lawsuits. Okay. It's so powerful that even eminent domain cannot touch it. You can stop the government in its tracks and say, I want to, we want to buy your, we're going to force you to sell it to our house. You can give them the middle finger and say, no, you can't because I have a spendthrift trust in my properties and that. Uh, but the other thing is the tax, the tax reduction strategies are out of this world. They are out of this world. And that's the specialness of this, the strategy because you can fund your investments on the back of the tax savings of the IRS. So basically the IRS is gonna be your sugar daddy to be able to fund your investments, okay? So I'm gonna go through the pillars really quickly. Uh, Spencer provision, that is what um, gives us the uh, uh, power to stop any lawsuits. No judge or court can issue turnover orders against any properly constructed trust. So you're, you're protected against judgments, levies, lawsuits, things like that. Uh, the, I'm not going to complex nature is no big deal. Um, discretionary. This is important because the trustee, so if you uh, decide you want to invest in a trust, you're going to be the uh, trustee. That means that you have 100% discretion on who you want as your beneficiaries, or but most importantly, you have 100% discretion to declare that the, the passive income that's coming into the trust is gonna be an extraordinary dividend. And according to IRS code 643, that income that comes in is, no, is not considered taxable. And that's really the key to this. That's the discretionary power is the main key to that. Um, it's not grantor, which means that you're not gonna set the trust up yourself. And that's important because if you set the trust up and you become a trustee, then the IRS is gonna consider that to be an alter ego of yourself and you will not have any tax advantages. And then finally, um, it's irrevocable, which means when you sell your assets into the trust, then they're sold, they become the trust property. And that it helps you from an asset protection point of view. It also is important because if it's a uh, revocable trust, then again, you don't get any tax advantages. And um, this is based on contract law. Understand that when I speak with people, they often talk about, well, I have this trust and I've heard about this trust and I can't do this on this trust. And you'll have attorneys and CPAs will, will say, well, you know, we, that's not allowed. It's like, yeah, I know because that is a legislative trust. Anything that is, was created by the legislature is bound by their rules and their regulations and so forth. And they're speaking absolute 100% truth. Those trusts cannot, um, you know, you can't do this stuff that you can do with our trust because our trust is a contract law trust. And what does that mean? Basically, Article 1, Section 10 of the Constitution says that no state shall uh, impair the obligation of trust, number one. So basically, ever since the foundation of our country in our Constitution, 
the, uh, the, the sanctity of contracts has been foremost in the founding father's um, name. Like I just said here, no state shall pass any law impairing obligation of contracts. And then there was the first legal uh, ruling of the state of the Supreme Court was in 1810, Fletcher versus Peck, which basically said that uh, states cannot change a, a um, contract. They just can't do it. And um, you know the uh, the second landmark Supreme Court case is Elliott versus Freeman. And I'm not going to get into the weeds about what what the issues were in the. Uh, case itself, the most important thing is that the language in the Supreme Court ruling specifically, specifically excluded trust, this trust from being obligated to, um, you know, be under the rules or be under the law of this tariff, that it was separate, it was in the realm of equity, and it was that, that it could only, um, that this law only pertained to anything that was created by the legislature. That's kind of the background of this about why a contract law trust is different and why it's so powerful. Okay, so you can't, there's no seizure of assets like I already talked about. Um, you know, you're not, you're, you have much more leeway when it comes to um, how the trust works because ultimately it's a contract. It's a contract between you as a trustee with the beneficiaries and the government instrument of the trust. So that tells you what you can or you can't do. And the government can't get involved in that because the government can't get involved in your trust. As long as it's not, it's not, you're not doing anything illegal, it can't get, it can't get involved in that at all. So uh, I'm going to go through here. This is the most, this is a huge thing about, I talked about, I touched upon briefly about IRS code 643 and extraordinary dividends. And this is the language in there that says capital gains or, and losses or exchange of capital assets shall be excluded from income to the extent such gains are allocated to the corpus. What does that mean? That means when you have your, um, when that money comes into the trust from, from, you know, from passive income, then uh, you declare that as trustee as a extraordinary dividend. And uh, that money is, is um, you know, as long as it stays in the trust, it's not, it's not taxable, okay? So, um, you know, extraordinary dividends shall be excluded. Uh, and I'm not going to go into this in great detail, like I said, because I want to get down to this. Just basically, I will tell you that the most important thing is that it's 100% in compliance with the IRS, and its trust has been around for hundreds of years. And when the tax code was written in the 1930s, this code, IRS Code 643, was specifically designed for these kind of trusts, because the trusts have been used by the ultra-wealthy for centuries, and they wanted to make sure that when the IRS, when, when the IRS code was uh, created, that their favorite loophole was gonna be there. And that's really what we're doing is we're using the ultra wealthy strategies to be able to save immense money on taxes, okay? And so understand that what we're talking about here is tax avoidance. We are using legal and transparent means to limit our tax liability. We are not evading taxes. And that's a huge part of what we're doing. Okay, so I want to talk to you now about, um, and briefly, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to pause on my, on my presentation. I want to tell you how this actually works, okay? So, because I'm a real estate investor, and the, this, this was one of the biggest things that, that I, I, I hate to do every year, because I'm successful. I've been successful for 20 years. Some years I've made millions. You know, I've never made less than six hundred thousand dollars in my in my investing career, and so you can imagine I was always writing checks at the end of the year, and it was to the IRS. And, I, and and who likes to do that? So the the beauty of this is that 
when I decided to jump and get this, here's how it works. So I invested in the trust and then I had uh, a third party actually create the trust and named me as the trustee and then immediately resigned. So now the trust exists. I'm the trustee. I have 100% power and discretion to run the trust. And after I got my EIN number and set the bank account up for the trust, the first thing I did was I sold my, my uh, personal assets into the trust. Now, I did not sell them for a profit because we don't want ever to trigger a capital gains tax event. So what I did was house, sold at the price that we acquired it at. Though my wife and I, uh, when we bought our, bought our house, when we got married in 1999, actually it was 2000, uh, we bought our house for 155,000. So that was the amount of um, the price that when we sold it back, we sold it into the trust, okay? So now it became a trust property, a trust asset. Cars, the same thing. Sold them into what the price we, we, we put, or what the, what, the ad, what the blue book value is right now. Uh, sold them in there. If we had if we had any kind of other assets, gold, you know, precious metals, crypto, doesn't matter. Whatever we acquired them at would be what we would go into the trust. Would be sold into the trust. So we, in, in exchange for that, there was no money exchanged hands. The trust gave us what they call a demand note, which is pretty much like a no, a, a promissory note, which means that. Um, I can draw upon that amount anytime I want. So if it's a million dollars, if the, if the combined, number, uh, the combined um, value of the assets that were sold in the trust is a million dollars, that means that whenever I want, I can tell the, you know, I can demand, instead of call it a demand note, that the trust cut me a check. So if I say I want $20,000 for whatever reason, and there's money in the trust bank account, of course, then the trust can cut me a check for that. And that 20,000 I get is a non-taxable event and I don't pay any taxes at all on that. And that's important to realize. So uh, on my business, so I had an S corp. So what I did was I, I sold my business assets, tangible and intangible to my trust, excuse me, to me personally. And then I sold them to the trust. That means more, that means more uh, a higher demand note for me, which is very good, but ultimately, my business assets are also in the trust, okay? So my S-Corp is, is, is gone pretty much, right? So I'm gonna run my business in a different way. So what I did was you can set up an LLC and my LLC is now going to run my short sale business, my real estate investing business. But I'm gonna make my trust, the trust I'm the trustee of, a 90% limited partner in the LLC. And then if you remember, all my companies, my real estate investing companies assets were transferred or not transferred, they were sold into the trust. So now my LLC cannot, repeat, cannot earn income, do foreclosures, negotiate short sales, you know, buy property, rehab it, fix it up, sell it and make money without access to my company's former assets, which are now in the trust. So what happens is that the trust will then lease those assets to the LLC. And so it's a magical thing that happens here, folks. This is gonna blow you away. So when I, at the end of the year, let's say that my net income, my net income after taxes and all, all the um, disbursements 
if I'm left, if I have a hundred or a million dollars and that's normally where I would calculate what my taxes would be. So for me, it's all ordinary income tax at 32%. So 32% of a million dollars is $320,000, which is what I've been on the hook for. And I've written some big checks in my day, folks, believe me, okay? But not anymore. I'll tell you why. Remember, the trust leased the assets to the LLC. So that means that the IRS will allow up to 70% of a business's net income to be used as a lease payment. So that means that $700,000 of that million is gonna be transferred over to my trust as a lease payment, which drops my um, net income from a million down to $300,000. Now we have one more expense to, do, to go yet. There's $300,000 left. Now remember the LLC, the, the, the uh, trust is also a 90% limited partner in that LLC, a limited member. So 90% of 300,000 is $290,000, okay? Uh, that, I'm sorry, $270,000, pardon, pardon, apologies. So that means that $270,000 is going over to the trust as a K-1 distribution. So this means that all that is left that's going to be taxable in my LLC that before this strategy I would be on the hook for for $320,000. Now, the taxable amount in my LLC is only $30,000, which I think you all can agree, not much tax can be paid there. Okay. So now let's move over. Okay. So we're going to say, Don, listen, you just sent over $970,000 to the trust. Surely you're going to have to pay taxes on that. And I would say two things. First of all, I'm sorry for calling you Shirley. Second of all, uh, because a lease payment into the trust is considered passive income for the trust, a K-1 distribution is considered a tax, is considered a, a passive income for the trust. This money comes in the trust as passive income. As trustee, with my 100% discretionary powers, according to IRS code 643, I can declare that to be an extraordinary dividend. And as long as that money stays in the trust and it's not dispersed, it's not, it's not gonna be a taxable event. Any taxes that would have been paid or deferred is it forever, as long as the trust exists. So that simple yet genius strategy that's perfectly legal in accordance with IRS code 643 has allowed me now to take the, the $320,000 that I would have paid in taxes, Okay, that's over now into the trust that I control. And that is, that's like, that's like the heavens opened up and a bag full of, of dollar bills, $320,000 fell into my lap because it was gonna be gone anyway. I couldn't have, I, I would not have been able to salvage that money I, unless I wanted to go to jail you know, for tax fraud, right? So that money is now in my trust and I can use that for whatever, for whatever investments that I want to make as long as they're, you know, they're trust investments, right? I mean, I'm not doing it personally. I'm trustee, I control everything, but the trust is gonna be doing these investments. So I could put it in crypto, I could buy real estate, I could, I could do what I'm gonna tell you about in a minute here, is build wealth through um, some amazing uh, in, you know, financial instruments that you can use, and, and all it's done inside the trust, which means it's all tax-free. Then we're gonna pay taxes on it. So that's how the strategy works. I wanted to get into that first so you understand 
that what we're doing is we have a legal strategy that's allowing us to convert up to 97% of our income into moving into the trust as passive income. And then there's hardly any taxable events at all. You're, you have a 3% is all it's gonna be taxable in that income that you brought in through the year. Now this does not work for W-2 employees, but it works for business owners, people who do are on 1099, investors, people who are on straight commission, right? Any, except W-2, this can all be utilized. And the, the strategy, like I said, is brilliant. And so that's what, that's how you create the tax, the immense tax savings with this strategy. So now all that money is available, like I said, that 320,000 that would have gone over to, to pay for taxes. Now you have it inside your trust and now you can choose how you want to um, invest. So I want to then move on to, uh, you know, what I think is a great, um, um, a great strategy where you can do is, is it's called infinite banking, but we actually call it vortex banking. Okay. And what that means is that, you know, um, the trustee, me in my trust, right. I can take the tax savings that's inside the trust in my bank account. And I can say, you know what, I want to invest that into a whole life policy, or it could be an IUL, whichever route you want to go. More brilliance here, more brilliant strategy here. You can get, the trust can, can purchase a whole life policy or an IUL policy, okay? The trust can be the beneficiary of the death benefits and can, can use the cash value that you're going to build with this tax-free money you just got in. So basically, in a nutshell, you could, you could put it this way. The IRS is basically your sugar daddy here right? Because the money you're saving from having that you would have paid the IRS normally is now here. And basically that's funding your investments. And so now, you know, you can, if you're in good health and you're young and you're a trustee, you can, you can put the policy on yourself. But, you know, for a lot of people, we get, I mean, I'm 58 years old. I have some health issues and I, I could not qualify for a, a uh, policy because due to health reasons. But you know what? I have a 20, I have a 29 year old daughter who's in perfect health. So she can be the uh, uh, insured party. The trust owns the policy. And then what can happen is we can put, use that money that we saved, put that in uh, and, and overfund our uh, policy, you know, and uh, get the cash value up as hard as we can because, because it's a trust owns it. Uh, I don't want to get too much in the weeds about, you know, non-MEC and MEC policies, but basically, um, you know, the trust, is every, the, the policies are at MEC. And that means you can overfund these things and you can, you can increase your cash value, which is what you can borrow from. And you can, you can, you can make the policy or policies, you can make them your bank. And so you don't have to go to you know, financial institutions to, to get loans or whatever. You can basically have these, these policies become your bank and, you can, and it's all non-tax, right? Because all these things are, you, know, you take a policy loan, it's not taxable, right? And uh, so really almost anything you do with investing, you know, whether it be you know, infinite banking or what we call vortex banking, anything at all, real estate, stocks, bonds, crypto, it doesn't matter. The trust invests, you control it. And then when the money comes back in, no taxes. 
if you buy, you buy, let's say you buy a apartment complex, all those rents that are coming in, not taxable, right? Let's say that you put your you put your money into a crypto fund, kind of like a mutual fund where they they trade and then they give you a certain amount every every week. And then if you keep rolling it, but as soon as you take something out, as soon as they disperse to you, that's a capital gains event. You can work, you can use this strategy and uh, only be liable for three percent of that money coming in. Ninety-seven percent of that's not taxable, you know, because it's coming into the trust with this strategy. So no capital gains. You're converting ordinary income into passive income for the trust, which is can be declared an extraordinary dividend and legally not be paying taxes on. So it's not just this. This instrument, this this investment vehicle is amazing. I think it's great. And, you know, I, I encourage you to do this because it's, it's a great way to create a legacy for your family, for, you know, for your generations. This trust can be used for, it can be uh, for you passed down to your kids, your grandchildren, your, your great grandchildren and so forth. They can all be inside and have the legacy. Something else, when you put all your assets in the trust, when you finally go to the great beyond and pass away, then you don't have to pay any inheritance taxes or estate taxes because it's all in the trust. So, you know, you know Uncle Sam's not gonna get 50% of what, what you worked your, your butt off to earn. You just have, in my case, my wife is my successor trustee. When I pass, she runs the trust. My daughter will be the successor trustee. When, you know, and so it'll be, and her son will be the, the trustee. He'll take over and the trust is gonna stay and it's gonna, I'm gonna leave a legacy for my, for my um, family. These life insurance policies, they're going to come to fruition, or when I pass, the trust gets the death benefits, and it just keeps going and going and going and going. So it is absolutely both of these strategies are amazing, and I, I think that um, this strategy, like I said, I'm repeating myself because I get so excited, but it's the most brilliant combination of strategies I've ever seen, right? Because you're basically found a way to legally reduce your taxes to almost nothing. And by the way, everything, every single asset you have in your trust is locked down in a titanium vault of asset protection. The trust cannot be sued. I mean, it can be sued, but if it gets in front of the judge, the judge is gonna toss it because this, this contract law trust, unless you're committing fraud, they cannot, you know, it cannot be penetrated. So your assets are safe. Me, I have no assets anymore. So what are they gonna do? get blood from a turnip, right? The trust, they can't penetrate to trust. I have no liability as a trustee. So you have perfect asset protection. So it's absolutely, in these troubling times that are coming with high inflation and so forth, uh, you don't need to be paying all that money out on taxes if you can have a legal way to not pay them. And sometimes that can be the difference between you know going under or thriving is how you have your tax strategy and how that ties into all of your investments. So um, I know there's gonna be lots of questions. So I wanna, I wanna end this right now. And I want to take as much time as we need to answer your questions, to make sure that you understand perfectly how this works. So we have any, have any uh, questions come in the chat? Uh, thanks, Don. We had some, um, we had two before um, the webinar began. One okay. was, both were from John, uh, John he says, how are you looking forward to your training? And then he had he asked, does the trust have to pay taxes at any time? Which I believe you covered a lot of, but uh, if you want to 
if you want to yeah. cover that anymore. Yeah. Okay. So like I said, in the, in the example that I, I was talking about where if you have a million dollars in your LLC as your net income. And so let's say, you know, that can be someone who's on 1099. Say that someone has works different projects. And so the 1099 money coming in is uh, comes into the LLC. And then at the end of the year, whatever that is, and I, in this case, a million dollars because it's, it's easy math, but um, $970,000 is going to be sent over via a combination of a lease payment and a K-1 distribution. So only $30,000 is left. So, you know, even, you know, I mean, it's, it's like 24, 24% is uh, ordinary income be below $165,000. So how much are you going to pay off at $30,000? Hardly anything at all, right? So unless you're talking about tens and millions of dollars, realistically speaking, not much is going to be paid or had to be paid because, you know, that's the way the, way the, way the strategy works. Perfect. Thank you. And I see some people have their hands raised in the uh, in the webinar. Please feel free sure. to use um, the Q&A function and your questions will be addressed. We have two more questions or three more questions that have come in. I'll start off with Michael. He asks, what if I only own 20% of my LLC and have six other partners? In other words, does this only work if I am a sole owner of the LLC? No, you can do this. What you can do is you can um, have the trust become a 90% partner in your percentage. Okay. It won't touch your partners, but for you and for tax purposes, that's how you would do it. So it'd be not, the trust would be 90% partner in your percentage and in your assets. What you, what the unique intangible assets that you bring to the table for this project, the trust will lease those to your percentage, right? So that way, 97% of what you make in the trust can be transferred over to the, to, I mean, excuse me, in the LLC, you can be transferred over to the trust and you only have very little amount left that'll be taxable for you. Perfect, thank you. Uh, Michael asks, can your trust own a part of an S Corp? No, it cannot. And the reason why is that the trust can be a limited partner in an LLC because you can, you can have partnerships there, but, but an S corp is different. An S corp can't give share. It can't give, you know, percentages of partner. It can only give shares and the trust is not allowed to own shares of a company. So therefore it works with an LLC. It works with a business trust, but it does not work with an S or C corp. Thank you again. Uh, I, Sorry if I mispronounced this, but Shay asks, can we get a copy of a trust document? How can I show my CPA this video? For the second portion of that question, this video, this webinar is being recorded and a link to the recording will be sent out to all attendees and registrants, um, by, I think before the end of the day, if not tomorrow. Yes, to answer your question, uh, the trust is copyrighted, so we just don't give it out, <laughs> you know, unless you pay for it. But um, but I'd be glad to have to set up a meeting with your CPA. And in fact, uh, you know, because we do a lot of we do free strategy sessions, so we could talk, get your CPA on a Zoom with us, and we can go over everything and you know see if it's a fit. Awesome. Edward asks, why does the trust need an EIN? The trust itself does not need an EIN number for, as far as law is concerned. 
it's you need to have an EIN for a couple of reasons. One, you got to have a bank account, right? And no banks are going to give you a, a bank account without, without an EIN number. And, you know, even though really, because it's a contract law trust, you know, technically you don't really need to have uh, to file a return with IRS, but we always do because you just want to, you know, it, it, there's nothing to hide, right? So we, we do every time, every year, a, a 1041 is filed with the IRS. And, you know, when we talked about the extraordinary dividend, right there on the 1041, it says extraordinary dividend. And so we do that. Now, I will tell you this, that, that uh, the CPA, who's been handling trust, uh, trust clients for over 30 years, and you know, he said he, he lost track after 10,000 returns uh, that had been filed for his clients. Not one time has there, has there ever been an audit for, for his trust clients, which just goes to show you, you know, this is uh, it's pretty cut and dry. Great, thank you. And I have two, there are two questions that I think I'm gonna combine here. They're, they're kind of similar. Okay. Um, one is, uh, Dennis asks, who's the attorney who will set this up? And then another attendee, attendee asks, what percentage of lawyers know how to set up spend thrift trusts and how do you vet them? Okay, first of all, uh, attorneys do not sell this. Uh, we, our company sells this uh, and uh, here's something interesting about attorneys, okay? I told you at the beginning that there's two kinds of trusts or two kinds of, yeah, two, there's, there's a legislative law trust and there's a contract law trust. Uh, there is no legislative trust out there that can get you the 100% asset protection that this one does, nor the tax benefits. And attorneys are not allowed to sell this trust. And it's a really kind of a stupid reason, I suppose, but the Bar Association will not allow an attorney to sell or create something that another attorney cannot sue. And you know, with a spendthrift provision, uh, you can't sue it unless, and the only way you can penetrate is with fraud. So you won't be able to buy this trust from an attorney. They're not allowed to, for that reason, they're not allowed to sell it or create it because it's, you know, look, I just went through the asset protection. It's like, a, you can't sue it. The judge will toss it when it gets in front of him or her. Wow, that's actually extremely interesting. Um, Paul asks, do I need to change all my 1099 income to be paid to the trust? No, no, you don't have to. You don't want to do that, okay? So if you have 1099, you want to do exactly as I described. You want to set up an LLC and have the 1099 come in, income come into your LLC. And then, you know, like I said, you previously would have sold your assets tangible and intangible to the trust, you need those for the LLC you know, to, to generate revenue, okay? And so the trust is gonna lease those intangible assets to your LLC and, and it'll be 70% approximately of whatever your yearly uh, income is gonna be with, the, with, the, uh, with your 1099. And then the trust is also gonna be a 90% limited partner in the LLC, those two expenses, the lease payment and the K-1 distribution for the trust 90% membership in the LLC, that's how you move up to 97% of that income of your 1099 into the trust where it's gonna be converted to passive income, declared an extraordinary dividend, no tax. So all you're gonna have left is 3% in your LLC from your 1099 income that will be taxable. Thanks, Don. Um, I think you uh, may have addressed this already, but just to double check, Eugene asks, mm -hmm. what is the tax rate for withdrawing from the trust for living expenses in retirement? 
Okay, first of all, um, when you take a disbursement from the trust, it's like anything else, you're gonna get, it's gonna be considered ordinary income. It's 24% uh, uh, if it's below $165,000, anything above that is 32%. However, I wanna draw your attention back to the demand note, okay? The trust, well, first of all, the trust can pay for almost everything that you have in your life, okay? So, for example, if you own, you know, your primary residence, and then you sold that into your trust, that means the trust has to pay for everything having to do with that house. Mortgage payment, um, you know, you, your water heater goes out, you, you know, the plumber comes out, the trust pays for that. Taxes, like I said, everything, you want uh, the furniture, you want to you buy something for the house, the trust pays for it. Same thing with your vehicle. You know, you, you, you know, I know this for a fact because I, I drive around Florida all the time. You know, I put lots of miles on my car. I know that I could not, I cannot write off every time I fill up my tank or if I go to Jiffy Lube and change my oil or I, I get my tires rotated. Well, uh, it, it's a trust expense. So you'll find that the trust pays for almost everything and your need for cash goes down tremendously. The only thing the trust cannot pay for is what we call the three Fs, food, fashion, and fun. Okay, so what the trust cannot pay for, remember you sold all your assets to the trust and you got a demand note in return. So when you want to have, when you want to pull some money out for food, fashion, or fun, then you just give the trust, you know, a withdrawal order and the trust will cut you a check, assuming there's money there, of course, uh, for whatever, for that amount. And so that's the money that you use for food, fashion, and fun but it's not taxable. If you've noticed guys and gals, every single thing in this strategy has been created to never have a taxable event. So you don't want to have disbursements. That's how you get around that legally where you're not, you, know, you can get the money for your food, fashion and fun without taking a disbursement to be taxed. And the trust is using pre-tax money to pay for all the expenses. Perfect. Thanks again. Um, this question may have been asked before I addressed it. Will the presentation be sent out so I can have my LLC attorney accountant review this information? Yes, it will be. A link will be sent out after the recording has been processed. Um, next question from Michael. What if it's a service-based LLC, meaning the business had almost zero, zero assets? Um, we have consulting income and labor expenses and some miscellaneous travel expenses. Well, we don't care about we don't care about um, expenses. I mean, every business has their own expenses. Uh, but the most important thing is is that your your assets are not just physical; they're also um, intangible, intellectual, right? I mean, my business, my short sale business, is profitable because I have strategies, I have scripts, I have networks, I have databases, I have you know all that all that stuff is in here. That, that, those are assets. And I sell, sold those assets into the trust. Your LLC needs access to those. So it can, it can still be intel, intel, in, intangible assets can still be leased to the LLC. Perfect. Um, I, I'm not sure what this stands for, but Jonathan asks, my daughter is about to get approved for an IUL. Can we move yes. the IUL into the trust after it is issued? Uh, no, because the, the trust needs to purchase it. 
Okay, so the so for this to work, the trust purchases it. So it's so the, it's an asset of the trust, and the trust uh, is the beneficiary and also the owner. And then your daughter would be the insured party. But if that if if you do this before, uh, you know, if you do this after, if you get the trust after she has a policy, then it's too late. Okay, we have a we have a lot of questions still pouring in. Um, we'll go for a few more minutes, um, if that's all right with you, Don. Sure, I, I can stay as long as you want. Perfect, thank you. So um, the next question is from Bud: Can LLCs for an order domestic be held held in an IRA be transferred to a trust? From my understanding, you cannot, uh, or it would be a distribution. You agree with that? Well, the, the trust cannot own other entities. All it can do is own assets that the entity has sold through you personally into the trust. Uh, that's how it works. But the trust cannot own an S corp. It cannot own an LLC. It can't own any entities at all. Understood. Thank you. So you would sell the assets of that LLC into to you personally and into the trust. Perfect. Um, uh, we have Shay asking, um, how do we get your contact details? Well, um, William, <laughs> you gonna get those to? Uh, you can just give them to anybody, or put them in the chat or something. That's fine. Yeah. Um, do you, I'll, I'll just you... put my I'll just put my email address here, uh, and you guys can uh, reach out to me. Perfect. Thank you. Mm -hmm. um, next is next question is from Bob. Can the trust be used on more than one LLC? Yes. Perfect. Um, what does your company do? How come you are able to sell this trust? We're able to sell the trust because the trust is a copyrighted instrument and we have it and it is a, we are legally able to do so. Thank you. Um, next question is from Jonathan. Can an asset sold to the trust be intellectual property? For example, yes. my strategies for wealth creation using IULs to help clients. Is that considered yes. an asset? They can. Okay. Yes. Perfect. Um, and the last question we have right now. Uh, oh, actually. Um, next question is from Edward and uh, a legislative IRR trust is supposed to provide protection. Tell me the, the difference in protection for the type of trust you are speaking of. Uh, in my experience, LL, um, legislative trust cannot give you the type of project, uh, protection that you get with a contract law spendthrift trust. Uh, like I said, I mean, the key factor here is if an attorney sells it or creates it, then it's, it's vulnerable. It can be cracked. Because remember, the American the Bar Association will not let an attorney create or sell something that another attorney cannot sue. So I should tell you something. All right. Sorry. I was just addressing a question. It looked like um, the chat. Oh, I, I spelled it wrong. Sorry. So um, the chat was disabled. It was sent to hosts and panels, panelists. I misspelled Don's email address. It's Don, D-O-H-N, at HB Funding, Inc. So Don at H-B-F-U-N-D-I-N-G-I-N-C.com. Did I get yes. that right, Don? Yes, and my name is spelled D-O-H-N. D-O-H-N, I apologize. 
D-O-H-N. No, no, just people tend to you know, think it's D-O-N, right? So um, let me just, I just want to highlight one point here, okay? Because I, I have heard questions about my, you know, I want to talk to my CPA, I want to talk to my attorney and so forth. Um, I just want to, you know, give you full transparency here, okay? Most CPAs and most attorneys don't even know about this, okay? And the reason why is that they are in the world of legislative law. Okay, anything that's created by the legislature. So trusts, you know, LLCs, land trusts, uh, S corps, C corps, that's what they specialize in. Okay, this is a constitutional contract law trust. It's legal, but most people don't do that. Attorneys certainly don't, because I've already told you why they can't. And accountants, I mean, this 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 strategy has been with the ultra wealthy for centuries. It's now just starting to trickle down to, to our level. So in my experience, most CPAs don't even heard of it. So if you're going to a CPA or an attorney to ask them about that, they're not going to know much about it, okay? My suggestion is, if you're interested, is let us talk. You know, we can, we can do a Zoom with you. And if you want to have your attorney involved, that's fine. If you want to have your accountant, that's fine. And we can go over this stuff with, with, you know, not just with me, but with, you know, our senior trust specialist at the company and to answer all their questions. And if necessary, we get, we get, we get the CPA on as well. Um, so that's what, that would be my suggestion is uh, set it up that way. Because if you just go to them and say, Hey, I was on this meeting. I, I, some guy was talking about this and this, and they're going to say, that's not, you can't do that because you couldn't do it with their trust, but you can with this one. Thank you for that clarification. Um, I think the last question we'll take, and then any any future questions can be sent to, to Don, D-O-H-N, at hbfundinginc.com. Um, the last question is, what is the average cost to set these up, and what are the ongoing fees? There's no ongoing fees. It's a one-time investment. Uh, the, the, price, the price of the investment will depend on how uh, sophisticated your, your business is. So I would say, you know, email me. Uh, we can set up a free strategy session on Zoom, you know, 30 minutes to an hour. We can talk about this and I can give you a better idea how much it'll cost. But um, there are other companies out there that sell this trust. Um, I know that we are the, the, the least expensive. I mean, there's some that go for 30, 50, 80, $100,000. So we're definitely below that. So, um, but it all depends on, like I said, on your situation. So, um, you know, go ahead and ask for a free strategy session and we can, uh, we can go over your situation and I can give you a, a quote. Thanks again, Don. And I want to thank you for providing this, the wealth of information you have today. Um, and if anybody has any further questions, as I said, please reach out to Don. Um, and if you have any questions about self-direction, um, and your IRAs, please reach out to us. You can visit us at camaplan.com. And I want to thank everybody for attending uh, today's webinar. And I hope everybody has a great rest of their, uh, their day. Thanks, Don.